Genesis this morning. We're going all the way to chapter 41, though. And uh, so I feel secure that Pastor won't be there anytime soon. And by the time he does get there, you'll have forgotten about today's message. Of course, I say that jokingly, but certainly it's the Word of God. I don't want you to forget it, even if it is me. For those visiting this morning, I, I encourage you to be back. Our pastor would love to meet you. And it'd be a blessing to you if he could. And uh, so it's been good to be here already this morning. Amen. This morning, well, let's read our text first. If you would stand with me in honor of reading the Word of God, I'm going to draw your attention to a remarkable individual this morning. I know most, if not all, have heard of him. His name is Joseph, and really of all the patriarchs, as we might call them in, in, the, in the Bible, here in the book of Genesis, there's more devoted to this individual than, than the rest, more text, I think. But as we look over his life today, I, I want you to notice there is not a single word of reproof against Joseph. Some of the great heroes of the faith have major failure. Praise God for His grace. Amen. None of us are perfect, but we don't get an inclination in the life of Joseph of anything negative. And that's truly remarkable. And I don't suggest he was perfect. He was just a man who uses you and me. But when you consider his life and what he went through, it's truly amazing how he responded to the difficulties and the blessings in life. And uh, so, indeed, the, wor- the life of Joseph is worth studying, and it has, it has been. And um, <clears throat> We'll notice today things about the nobility of his character, uh, the purity of his heart and his life. And he was a great son. He was a good brother, to say the least, and, and he was an excellent ruler when he was put in positions of power. And, uh, these things make him more than any other Old Testament character an illustration of the type of man which Christ was to be in this world, in perfection. And so as we look at these things today, we're going to talk about fruitful in affliction this morning. Fruitful in affliction. Genesis 41 verse 50 The Word of God says this, And unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, which Asenath, the daughter of Potiphorah, priest of On, bare unto him. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God said, He hath made me forget all my toil in all my father's house. And the name of the second called he Ephraim, for God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of of my affliction. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity and the freedom that we have to gather this morning. I pray that you would be with my tongue this morning, that you would just anoint me from heaven. And Lord, that the word would go forth as you desire, and that you would be glorified in it. And Father, I plead with you this morning that you would work in hearts. Lord, I know there's people here this morning that are hurting. They're afflicted. They're going through difficult situations. But Father, I pray that through the preaching of your word today, they would understand that they could be fruitful through it all. And Father, we desire to give you the glory for all that you do in our lives today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We're going to go through a, a quick look at the life of Joseph, we'll do a review of his life, and um, we'll, at the end of the, the message, we'll make our way back to our text here in, in chapter 41, and uh, we'll be reminded of the wonderful character displayed by this man of God. <clears throat> and certainly I hope to draw some applications uh, that would help us to trust and walk more closely with our God today. Uh, Joseph's early life 
he had a rough family situation. Uh, a lot of difficulties. I, don't, I have three boys. I didn't have any brothers growing up. The Lord didn't bless me that way. And uh, My boys, you're welcome. You got brothers. I had one of those nasty older sisters. Um, I don't think she watches the live stream or looks at our podcast. So. I think I can get away with that. But actually, I talked to my sister yesterday. I love my sister, and but I don't. The dynamics of having a brother, I never experienced in the home. Uh, I've experienced it from a father perspective, looking at my boys, and and when I see that there was. Uh, some challenges in the life of Joseph and his older brothers did not like him. Uh, I can see how that can happen in life. And poor Carter, he didn't choose it, but the baby gets it. <laughs> he's got two older brothers that know better and they're going to tell him. And, and uh, he takes it well and he's patient most of the time. I don't know if I shared this publicly, but he didn't take it too well one time. And he gave one of his brothers a clock. And his brother said, I deserved that. <laughs> but we know, according to Genesis 37.3, that Joseph was the favorite son. In early life, his dad loved him. And, and uh, I know many of you are going to be familiar with this account. But if you would bear with me as we go through this this morning, uh, it'll be a good reminder for us. But he was given a coat of many colors. Uh, his dad loved him and... And uh, this really contributed to the hatred that his brothers had for him. Uh, they hated him, it says. And, and if you look at Genesis uh, 37, I think it's verse 2, the fact that he was a tattletale did not help his cause. It says that he went and told dad about what, what his brothers were up to, and that's never a good thing among any sibling. Uh, um, I know if my sister did that, we had, some, we had some figuring to do out in the backyard where mom and dad weren't. I have to admit, though, my sister got the better of me a few times. Um, but, you know, being a tattletale, but sometimes things do need to be brought up. You know, don't let somebody, ah, you're going to be a tattletale. Sometimes people are doing wrong, and it, it, could, it could harm them. And so sometimes you do it. So don't, need, don't be afraid to, and parents, I mean, your parents should be trusted enough to handle something right. And so children, always be willing to go to your parents if it's to the benefit of a sibling. So don't, don't I can't say anything. No, sometimes things need to be said. And, uh, but, you know, I, no doubt that didn't help from his brother's perspective that they would not like him. And uh, <clears throat> in his early years, uh, this is critical. And in, in, you can turn there in Genesis 37. And we'll, you'll flick through these pages if you want as we go through this. And he shared a dream with his brothers in verses 5 through 8. His brothers didn't like it. The dream was such that they had some sheaves and they were binding those things and his brother's sheaves gave obeisance to his and, and they didn't like the, the picture there that they would bow down before their younger brother, the family baby. Are you kidding me? That, that didn't sit well with them. And then verses 9 through 11, he has another dream and he shares it with his dad. And in that one, the sun, the moon, and the stars, they're all bowing down to Joseph and and the Bible tells us that his dad kept those things and thought on them, but that caused his brothers to hate him the much the more, or to envy him, I think is the, what the Scripture says. It's, so they begin to envy and hate him even the more. Uh, Joseph just was sharing some things that he had experienced, but his brothers didn't like that. And, um, but this was a young man that was full of character, or he was of the utmost character. And it's here in, in Genesis 37, in these few verses, I think we get a glimpse into the character of Joseph that really guided him his entire life. In verses 12 and 14, we see that he was faithful to obey the direction of his father. Dad gives him a job to do. His brothers are off tending the sheep, taking care of the family business, and Joseph sends, to sends sorry, his father sends Joseph to check on the welfare of his brothers in the, in the flock. Uh, have you ever been given a task by your parents you did not want to do? I distinctly remember one time my dad told me to do something, and I complained the entire way, and I threw a fit. I had a bad attitude, and I didn't want to do it. 
That's not the character of Joseph. Put yourself in the position of the, the hated brother. And dad says, hey, Joe, I want you to go out and, and check on your brothers. Check on the flock, and, and I want you to come and report back to me of the welfare. You want me to go to these guys that hate me? Listen, I, I have three boys. When you get around each other, there's heckling. And, and maybe it's because I instilled some of that, but... Um, <laughs> But you can't walk through our house without getting heckled. Am I lying this morning? Anyone in my home? No, it, it is relentless at times. So much so that sometimes mom and I have to say, hey guys, it's enough. And so Joseph, the, the favored son, the preferred son, now is given a task to go check on his older brothers that, that very likely aren't going to receive well. And we know, and we'll look at it here, he's not received well. But nonetheless, given a difficult task, Joseph is obedient. He was obedient. And not only did he go, but when he got to the expected place to find his brothers, they were not there. And for a lot of us, that's the time to go, okay, I tried, I'm out. That's not Joseph's character. He found the man in the field, and the man said, oh, I, I, I saw them. I heard that they're headed to Dothan. And so Joseph continues on to find his brothers. He's not going to quit. He's going to be obedient to what his father's directed him to do. Uh, he was a young man of character, 17 years old. Uh, how often do we set out to obey when things get challenging or don't go as expected? We want to turn back and quit. God's given us direction in life. God's asked us to do something and, and maybe to serve in a different capacity than what we have before. And, and we get excited about our obedience to God, but then when things don't go like we wanted it to, well, let's go back. I'm going to quit. What an example. And God help us to learn from this example of persistence. To just continue on and, and to fulfill uh, the orders of your father as Joseph did and and he just demonstrated great character early in life by obeying his father, even in what I would consider potentially an undesirable situation. Even when it's not what we wanted. Even when it's hard, or the circumstances aren't as we expected. And so here we are, Joseph of uh, this young man of great character, it is here where we find Joseph doing right and obeying. He's doing right. The course of his life takes a turn for what all of us, I'm sure, would consider a turn for the worst. He goes from being the preferred son to the pit, we might say. In Genesis 37, 18, and 20, we see that even before he arrives to meet his brothers and to check up on them, they see him afar off and they begin to plot against him. They intend to kill him. The majority, anyway. And, but they, they reason among themselves and they decide to throw him in a pit. And we see... Uh, and there's some... Ver I, can't, I think it's in verse... Well, I'm not even here in my Bible, but... It specifically says their brothers say, we're going to throw him in the pit and see what comes of his dream. Yeah, here, he's got this dream. He's been throwing this in our face. Yeah, ha, ha, we got him. We got this guy's number. Let's put him in the pit. And, and as I said, most of them, they were wanting to kill him. But Reuben, in an attempt to spare his life, recommends the pit to kind of keep him alive. He was going to circle back at a later time, take him back to dad and, and try to save his life. But, but he has another brother. Judah, and Judah's got this idea. Hey, look at these folks coming through here, these merchant men. Maybe we can not have the life of our brother on our hands, the blood of his life on our hands, and we can get some cash to boot. Let's sell this guy. And sure enough, that's what they do. And we know Reuben came back, and, and there was some frustration there, and, and certainly he was... But yet he was complicit in the plan to lie to dad. And they all take the coat of many colors and they uh, put some blood on there from, from one of the animals and, and they deceive their father to think that Joseph had been killed by a beast. 
And while dad grieves the loss of his son, Joseph, Joseph begins this, no doubt, unnerving and uncertain journey. Being sold into slavery. Uh, And he is no longer the preferred son, but now he's a slave to a strange people. I would say that's affliction. I would say that's difficulty. Just the uncertainty of, I don't know these people. What are they going to do with me? And, and of course, we know that he sold ultimately in Egypt to Potiphar. And so he goes from the pit to Potiphar's house. We understand that. And, but really, he's just a peasant in the house. He's just a slave. Certainly, it's an upgrade from the pit, but he's still separated from his parents. One might think such ill treatment, followed by separation from country and his kin, would produce bitterness and hopelessness in such a young man. Yet his character really begins to shine and stand out as exceptional here. Oh, how we get down and frustrated under far less. Unexpected bill. We want to give up on God. The car breaks down. We want to give up on God. And I get it. Those things can be stressful. We got a fleet of them things. And there's never lack for something to be maintained. Uh, Not to mention the insurance bill for teenage drivers. Two totaled vehicles along the way for us. I don't know. Carter, you can break the the chain. Your, your brothers broke the, they totaled a truck each. You don't need to do that. I get it. But oftentimes we get down and frustrated under far less circumstances than what we see Joseph experiencing. I mean, he was in threat of his life by his own family. And he is sold and, and he's in Potiphar's house and we find that, that God's with him. And God blesses him uh, in such a difficult situation. Uh, And certainly we understand Potiphar recognizes that this is an exceptional person. Joseph is different than the other servants. Joseph is of great character. And he understands there's great blessings from God in all this kid's dealings. (laughs) Like, man, everything that this kid does. And, and boy, everything just goes great when he's in charge of something. And so he promotes him to oversee his entire house. And so from being a slave, and now he's got a position of, of leadership. Are we faithful stewards to our God regardless of the unfavorable circumstances? When life doesn't go our way, when things get hard, are we going to be faithful? Are we just going to continue on for God? Listen to what Matthew Henry says here. It is a great ease to a master to have those employed under him that are trusty. Potiphar was so well satisfied with Joseph's conduct that he knew not aught he had save the bread which he did eat. Boy, can that be said of us as the servants of our God? Of God. Would God have the confidence in your response to affliction such as He did Job? Let me remind you what God says about Job in Job 1.8. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? And we understand what took place in Job's life. God pulled the hedge of protection back and said, this man will be faithful to me. And Satan let loose and destroyed his life. How easily we tend to fold under affliction. Though Joseph, just a young man, 17 years old, sold into slavery, he proved to be industrious and trustworthy. Listen this morning, he made the best of the situation. He could not control that he was sold. 
He could not control that he was sold to Potiphar. But he could control how he responded to that situation and circumstance. And he chose to be faithful. He chose to honor God with his life. And and we know that God blessed him and God was with him. He didn't sit under the juniper tree and start whining. He didn't let the poochie lip drop out. He just said, you know what? I'm going to honor God whatever circumstance I'm in. Are you a faithful steward regardless of the circumstance? And so, boy, things are going good. His character has been noted. The boss is happy. He's got a promotion. Things are great. But then again, we see a twist. The circumstances begin to take another drastic turn. Genesis 39, verse 6 says, Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. This really means Joseph is just a handsome dude. Certainly his character and everything, he's a handsome dude. Probably such as what's before you this morning. But this is a handsome guy, the Word of God tells us. I mean, he's got good character. He's physically attractive. Sometimes if we're not careful, we'll get elevated up. God help us. And Have you ever been there? Things are going well? Man, you're just content. God's blessing. We're on the mountaintop. Things are good. I shaved my beard today. I trimmed it up. It's looking, I'm looking sharp. I'm happy. And then bam. Affliction. Trouble comes. Something happens. Temptation's there. The trial comes. His handsome appearance is noticed by Potiphar's wife. No doubt she had seen him as a servant in the home. Know that he was attractive, begin to like his personality, and she decides she wants some of that. The Bible tells us she cast her eyes upon him and she tempts him to commit sin with her. The Bible tells us he resists day by day. And he resists because he can't do so wickedly against his God. Listen, Joseph was more concerned about what God thought of his life than anyone else. And I think that was a guiding principle in the life of Joseph. And that's why we can see time after time he would become favored. And God would bless him because he was more concerned with what God thought than anyone else. Listen, I'm telling you how easy it would be for a young man in this position to to surrender to the woman. She probably was attractive. The Bible doesn't tell us that. I would make the assumption. Listen, all women have beauty. Anyway, to begin with, even if, well, I better be careful. (laughs) But think about it. If she's wanting to do wrong, she'll help conceal the matter. But Joseph, he's not concerned about just simply getting away with something. He's concerned about what God thinks of his life. And so he's not going to surrender to her desires and her wants. and, And day by day, she tempts him. And he repeatedly resists the passes of his master's wife because he wants to honor God and and be faithful to his boss as well. But we see in verses 11 through 20 in chapter 39, her advances being spurned, she forces herself upon him. So much so that he, he escapes and obviously she was pretty close if she kept a hold of that garment. And he flees out of that place Because he wants to honor God. But she spitefully and falsely accuses him. She holds on to that garment and uses it against him. And the husband comes home and he's angry. And here we see Joseph going from Potiphar's house to prison. Here we find Joseph doing that which is right again, just fulfilling what his master has commanded, just taking care of the house. 
have you ever suffered for doing right? There's no guarantee that when you are that when you're doing right that you're going to be accepted or liked. I experienced this firsthand in my military career. Sometimes if you're just not hanging out with certain people, you don't get opportunity. And listen, I, the Lord blessed my career. I'm not complaining one bit. Uh, I believe God brought me where I was, and I'm content with that. But the reality is, oftentimes, when you're going to live for God, you're not going to be accepted in the crowd. And so here is Joseph committed to doing right and honoring God, and now he begins to suffer for it. Well, that ain't fair. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 19 and 20 through 21. For this is thankworthy... If a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully, for what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye take it patiently? But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even here unto were ye called. Well, we're called to suffer. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. How often do we whine about our unfair circumstances? Or we allow ourselves to wallow in pity because of our situation. Yet God wants us to learn to endure hardness and continue to honor him in that affliction. We're told to endure hardness as a good soldier. We cannot quit because things do not go our way. But again, we see in Genesis 39, verses 21 and 23, Joseph's remarkable, remarkable response to this situation. How many of us would have went into prison and just sat there and whined? Oh, this isn't fair. This isn't right. The judicial system has failed me. But again, we see Joseph's character, and he's just going to make the best of the circumstance that he's in. And God blesses him, and the keeper of the prison favors Joseph. He's placed in charge of the prisoners with complete trust. That, that, that's kind of mind-boggling to think that a prisoner is put in charge of things to do in the prison, and, and the, the keeper of the prison is not even concerned about what's going to take place. I don't know if he heard of Joseph's reputation. I don't know if he heard that there may have been false accusations. The Bible doesn't tell us any of that. But nonetheless, this man of utmost character, it's recognized in his life again. And somebody goes, this person's different. And he gives them some responsibility. Just remarkable how he responds. And so God again is with Joseph and he prospers him in his new role there in the prison. And we see that he is... A help and a blessing to others. You guys know the, the Sunday school story of the butler and the baker. And how they have these dreams. And, and of course, in all this process, Joseph gives God the credit as he reveals the interpretation of the dreams to these men. He, he consistently gives God credit in, in uh, Genesis 40 verse 8. Uh, he gives God credit there and. uh <clears throat> But the one is supposed to remember him. Right? One, there's not much he can do. His head's taken from him. It's hard to talk. And that happens. But the butler, when he's restored, he's, he's, he's made a commitment to Joseph that he's going to speak up and say, hey, there's this guy in prison. He's an all right fella. Well, he forgets. People are going to let you down. Don't put your trust in people. I don't know how frustrating that might have been for Joseph to know that he had been forgotten. But I don't think he started whining and crying about it. Uh, that wasn't in his character. But in Genesis 41, and in, in really verses 1 through 36, and we know Pharaoh has the dream. And he has the dream, and, and suddenly that butler remembers 
his faults and he tells Pharaoh to call on Joseph. Hey, I know a guy that can tell you. He can reveal this thing to you. And, and certainly Joseph does that again and, and he provides the interpretation and he gives God the credit for that. He doesn't take credit for that. And, uh, <clears throat> Falsely accused, then forgotten by man, many might wonder why bother to be righteous. What hope is there? But that's not Joseph. Joseph is just faithful and, and continues to demonstrate his character, his integrity. And, and uh, he, I think Joseph understood he was not forgotten by God. God hadn't forgotten him in these circumstances. And so just as he finds favor in, in Potiphar's house and with the keeper of the prison... Boy, he finds favor with Pharaoh. We know that he interprets the dream and Pharaoh elevates him to the palace. Pharaoh's come to recognize that this is a remarkable person. And the scripture even tells us that he understands that God is with Joseph. God is blessing this young man. In Genesis 41, 37 through 40, it says this, And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh in the eyes of all his servants. And look what it says. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. The way that Joseph conducted his life, it was evident and obvious to other people that God was with him. And listen, Joseph had done this consistently, day after day, despite hardship, despite trouble, despite when it was hard, despite when he didn't want to get out of bed. For some of us, that's the worst thing we face, is just the, the alarm clock is our hardest part of the day. Quit being lazy, get up. Anyway. That's not even in here, sorry. That's extra credit. But Pharaoh goes on to say, Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. He gives the entire kingdom of Egypt to Joseph because of his remarkable character. And so here at the young age of 30, we see he is set over the entire land. I don't know, sometimes I think we need a 30-year-old president instead of somebody that's got one foot in the grave. But anyway... We've had some geezers. Anyway. I love geezers. I really do. I like old people. God has done amazing things in and through Joseph. When you just think of the events of his life, God has done a work. And so in, in 41, we see another shift, and we would say this is a shift for the good. But might I remind you, God will work all things for good. Even though we perceive it not to be good, God can still work. And, but neither the pit nor the prison were the place God was ultimately taking him. Uh, Joseph was headed to the palace. But I think without the pit and the prison, Joseph would have never been prepared for the palace. No doubt Joseph would have developed and grown closer to God through all those situations and circumstances. And it would have developed him to... Uh, listen, you don't rule a kingdom, but he, now he had experience ruling in the house and ruling in the prison. And so now he's, God's given him some experience for this situation that he's been put in. Listen, sometimes we just need to trust God in what He's allowed in our life. And, and uh, God was doing a work. This had been a 13-year journey. And might I say primarily a journey through the valley. Some difficult times. And, and that was just 13 years of affliction and trial before God would bring him to the palace. Where we know that he's used mightily to keep his family alive. Yeah, we won't go totally that far in, in, our, in the message this morning, but... My question this morning, what kept Joseph going for those years? 
In what did Joseph find comfort during the dark times he endured? And this is where I want to draw the application this morning. And so if you look back in Genesis 41, we'll look at some things here in verses 50 and 52. We see he understood those things that had befallen him in his life were from God. Joseph believed in the providence of our God and that God was working. You know, Joseph were born two sons, and before the years of famine came, which Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, bare unto him, and Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. Look what it says, For God said, He hath made me forget all my toil in my father's house. And the name of the second called he Ephraim, For God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land. I think Joseph understood every circumstance, even as we see him in the blessings of life, acknowledging God. I think God, he acknowledged God all throughout the circumstances of his life. As he acknowledges him here in the blessings, I think he did the same no matter what he faced in life and what God had allowed him to experience. He may not have understood how it was all going to come to pass. But he believed one day his brothers and his father would bow down before him. See, he had that dream. God had revealed some things to him. And consequently, I believe he lived a life of faith in God. Come what may, I will honor God with my life. Joseph's reason for remaining faithful because he knew he is faithful that promised. He could be faithful to what God allowed him to experience in his life because he knew he served a faithful God. <clears throat> Genesis 45, 1 through 8 is, is amazing. We find Joseph revealing himself to his brothers here. Uh, and it's really a remarkable uh, circumstance that we were able to read here in Genesis 45. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all that stood by him. And he cries, cause every man to go out from me. And there he stood, no man with him. While Joseph made himself known unto his brethren, and he wept aloud. And the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brother, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. Look at what he says to them. I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now therefore, be not grieved. Look, at he's comforting his brothers in this. He's been wronged. (laughs) Don't be grieved nor angry with yourselves. That you sold me hither. Look what he says here. For God did send me before you to preserve life. Joseph knew that everything that had happened in his life, God had orchestrated and allowed. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall neither be earing nor harvest. Look what it says here. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. This is amazing. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. We talk about the but gods in our life. I don't know what challenges you face today. I don't know what challenges you faced up to this point in life, but you must come to the point where you understand that God has allowed that circumstance in your life. Many of us would have been ready. Listen, I would have strangled my sister. That would have been, I think that would have been my response. If, if she would have sold, and she probably did want to sell me as a slave, but, but if I was able to confront her someday, I don't know if I would have had this kind of a response. Hey, don't worry about it, sis. No, I think I would have probably ripped her hair out of her head. But Joseph, his character and his desire to honor his God said, it was not you that sent me hither. But God, God was working. 
Don't be grieved. Don't be angry with yourselves. Don't beat yourselves up for what you've done. God was working in all of it. What? That's not a fleshly response this morning, folks. That's a response of somebody that's spiritual and matured in the Lord. And and I would say this, somebody that truly trusts God. Oh, how we often focus on the people involved and neglect to acknowledge God is working in our lives. Listen, even though those evil things or those tough situations have come upon us, they can be often be blamed on someone. We cannot control what happens to us, but we control how we respond. People will do you wrong. God, help us to respond to adversity like Joseph and focus on what God is doing and not necessarily the people or the issue. Trust God in the matter. It was not you that sent me hither, but God. But wait a minute. It was their fault. They threw him in the pit. They did sell him as a slave. And they lied to their dad about it. They conspired to do evil against him. How quick we are to point blame and to look for the cause or the problem. And oftentimes we just need to trust God. Because we're not going to be able to change it anyway. In the Air Force we always would say it is what it is. But oftentimes we put ourselves in turmoil. Trying to figure out why, why would somebody do this? How come this happened? I'm afraid our level of suffering is exaggerated because we do not trust God in a situation. We don't cast all those cares upon Him. We don't just trust Him. Listen, I'm not saying that things do not get difficult. And I'm not saying that things uh, aren't hurtful at times. But we must remember we are here for His pleasure. And not allow our circumstances to distract us from what God's ultimately doing. We must trust that He will work all things together in His time. As I mentioned, He was 17. Now here He is, 30 before He's promoted in the the palace. 13 years of affliction. And certainly He had good days along the way. I'm sure promotion days were good. But the circumstances would not have been those that one would choose for themselves. He was thrust into a situation just for doing right. Don't forget that you're here for his pleasure. We must trust that he will work all things together in his time. Like Joseph, we must remember the promise of God. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. 2 Thessalonians 3.13 Galatians 6, 9, and let us not be wearying of well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Psalm 126, 6, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Hebrews 10.23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. We must take our eyes off the difficult people and the hard circumstances and focus on the Lord. We need to look to him. Certainly we understand that Joseph is a type of Christ, a picture of Christ in our Bibles. And Listen, he didn't endure all these encounters. How did he endure all that he encountered? He just trusted God. How did Christ fulfill the mission that, to seek and to save that was, was lost? He was faithful to the will of the Father. For I am come down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. John 6, 38. Here's a reminder of Hebrews 12, 2-3. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Do you believe he can finish what he started? Who for the joy that was set before him. 
He was not looking at the immediate circumstance the Lord was in at that time. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Look what it says, lest ye be wearied and fade in your minds. We have examples in Joseph. We have examples in our Savior that sometimes we just need to pull our pants up and trust our God and endure the difficulties and do right even when it doesn't feel good. Do right even when we don't want to. You must remember the promises of God if you want to face challenges in this life. Sometimes we just need to reckon it to be so that God is working. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For God said, he hath made me forget all my toil in all my father's house. Interesting, his first son is Manasseh. Meaning causing to forget. Sometimes we need to stop and just think of all the good God has done in our lives. And forget about all the trials we've faced. Forget about the difficulties and just remember how good God is. We would do well to focus on the positive. As I was preparing to go in ministry a couple of years ago, and <clears throat> I got some counsel from a preacher friend of mine. And he says, I always strive to focus on the positive. There will be hard days. There will be difficulties. There will be challenges. But focus on the positive and, and the promises of God. Listen, the enemy will always come at you and to try to trap you and bring you back into your past and in your trials and trying to keep you back in the pit or in the prison. Because he knows when you're in the pit or the prison, you can't get into the palace. You can't get to the place where God wants you. When the enemy attacks us with our past, we must remind him that we've been delivered and set free and redeemed, that we no longer reside in the pit. You know we have a future in the Lord. I'm finishing up. I understand I'm going a little bit long this morning, but that's okay. I already have that reputation. We cannot pursue our future while living in the past. Letting all those afflictions and troubles just beat you up. Your past will either be a springboard or an anchor. It'll hold you down. Every experience of your life is in preparation for God's purpose for us. God's working even in affliction. Listen, you can't be Ephraim until you're first Manasseh. What fruitfulness is held back in your life because you will not forget something? We must do some forgetting to be fruitful. Brethren, I count not myself to apprehend it, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. We know Ephraim means fruitful or double fruit. We see the meaning. It's in the text, right? It's not complicated. For God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. But sometimes we have to forget some of those things that are holding us back. God can use forgetfulness to lead us to fruitfulness. What fruitfulness can God bring about in your life if you would submit to the providence of God in your life and accept the affliction that He's allowed And just respond in faith and serve Him despite the affliction that you're under. You don't have to wait to be on the mountaintop to be fruitful. We saw the life of Joseph. He was faithful to God and fruitful to God throughout all of those difficult circumstances. We always just want to go to the end where we're having Ephraim. We want to go to the palace. But God wants us to be fruitful throughout the entire journey. Ephraim would have never been the second born son without Manasseh being born first. Don't let your past trap you from being fruitful. Listen, I believe Joseph was in pursuit of his dream or the promise that he, and so when he encountered much affliction and suffering, all those things tried to take him off course, but God was faithful to always cause him to be fruitful in in the midst of all that. God was with him. 
Genesis 50, if you want to turn there, I just want to show you something. We're, we're in the conclusion part of my outline. Just FYI, we're almost done. Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. These things that we see about Joseph are just remarkable. But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. To bring to pass, as is this day, to save much people alive. Joseph had the big picture. He understood that God was working. What the enemy intends for evil, God will turn for good. Did you know you'll never face anything that's bigger than Christ? Listen, Joseph was squeezed by circumstances, to say the least. And he was found fruitful. And we, I got to close here, but even in death, he trusted God. In Genesis 50, 24, and 25, And Joseph said unto his brother, And I die, and God will surely visit you, and bring you out of the land, unto the land which he sware to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall... Joseph knew the promise of God. And even when he was on his deathbed, he's like, God's still going to continue to work. You just have to trust him. And so this morning, may the character of Joseph serve to inspire us, develop our character and faith in God and his word as well. If you would, stand with me. We're going to have an invitation this morning. <clears throat> As the musicians come, I encourage you, if God's spoken to your heart, there's a place at the altar this morning you can come and deal with Him and those things. And I know I spoke to the, spoke to the child of God primarily this morning, but if you don't know Christ this morning, you can come and we'll have somebody take the Word of God and help you know how you can know God and be assured and have eternal security. And so this morning, come as the Lord leads.